And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. If you've got a big smile on your face because at least once the Colorado Rockies figured out a way to beat the Los Angeles Dodgers, but you want to make sure that that smile is the absolute best that it can be, you got to head over to our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group located in Lakewood. They are the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro. They're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us, and they offer you an extraordinarily comfortable experience. Our sales director, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth removed there. She said it was one of the best dentist experiences of her life. They do all kinds of great stuff to make it personal, whether it's sending you a birthday card or just talking to you about whatever going on in your world of whether you're a sports fan, whatever it is, making sure that you're feeling right at home. Plus, they hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule an x-ray cleaning and exam. So make sure you get out there, do that. Tag us on social media and them. Let us know that you're supporting one of our favorite local businesses out there in Green Mountain Dental Group. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. Of course, as always, presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Got to remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you will save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich and potentially life-altering StravaCraft coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is our beat writer, Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we have got to discuss a 6-3 win. For your Whoa. Colorado Rockies, there it is. Whoa. The surprise news. Don't don't bury the don't bury the headline there, Drew. Six to three win for the Colorado Rockies over the Los Angeles Dodgers in a mostly until the very end. There, where it got a little bit shaky. All around, very well played game for the Colorado Rockies. More great stuff from Sensatella. We'll dive into that three hit day for Josh Fuentes. Really, really nice stuff for the Rockies. Who, while you know, are they're maybe playing for pride at this point, maybe going to still got a chance to sneak into that, that final playoff spot. You know, the Dodgers uh, uh, don't look like a team that at all, you know, is pedal to the metal. They're very clearly kind of pacing themselves and getting ready for the postseason now, but still wins a win. You take them when you can get them. Uh, and especially when you can continue to get the kind of starting pitching that the Colorado Rockies got today. Antonio Sensatella definitely was the star in this game. Uh, you see a 6-3 to three final score. You go, all right, well, uh, he obviously pitched well. He pitched much better than that, as you alluded to, Drew, that it was uh, some late-inning hijinks that made the Dodgers have three runs where it should have been more like one. And ultimately, you can make the case that uh, were it not for those two walks in the seventh inning to Muncie and Bellinger by Sensatella, 
maybe we're talking about the first player. Uh, as far as I've I've looked, I've, I'm in the media guide looking. I yeah. don't think anyone has ever had consecutive complete games no. in Denver, uh, in Colorado Rockies history. And Senzatella was, I think, you know, two two walks away from a really approaching that there because that that put his pitch count up, uh, topped it off at 104 pitches. And you know, if he's able to get through the seventh, even at 100 pitches, you go. All right, man, you're you got a shot at, at doing this. Um, he already had you know thrown I think maybe 108 uh, in the complete game, so I mean right. he's kind of primed and and ready to go. So you know you you could have seen history there uh, in a lot of ways. So he was just absolutely fantastic, and you know all off season we'll be talking about you know is Antonio Senzatella the guy you want to see against the Dodgers in 2021 to open up the 2021 season at Coors Field? Is he your mm-hmm. opening day starter? We got an entire offseason. Hey, let, all right. Throwing stuff out there already. I love it. I love it. But, yeah, uh, Patrick, I was with you. I was doing the same thing, uh, especially in the middle of the game when he he was really cooking. I, I, I Except not to whatever, but I just – I didn't consult a media guide. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I knew that the Colorado Rockies have never had a pitcher – throw back-to-back complete games at Coors Field. In fact, I'm not sure the Colorado Rockies have ever had a pitcher throw two complete games at Coors Field in the same season. Um, Pedro Sasio probably did because he, I think he, I think he did it nine times in a season. Okay. Or did he do that over his career? I think he might have done that in his career. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, he, he would he would have been the only other one. So. Yeah. I think you may have a guy that that maybe was able to do it twice in a season, but yeah, I mean, not, not I would more than probably, that. I would, I would probably bet the over, but like one guy probably that I can't remember, you know, and, and there are always those weird, like Tyler Chatwood had an, an amazing 2013. So, you know, did, did he have a couple of complete, and he was one of those guys who would get a ton of ground balls and complete a game in 98 innings or 98 innings, 98 pitches every once in a while. Aaron Cook um, did it twice in 2008. Against okay. Jackson Padres, so there he's, you go. he's a guy that that goes up there, and uh, and that's you know we know to be relatively special class, yeah. Uh, because because he was he was a very effective guy. Uh, you know, we were talking after the podcast yesterday, uh, the podcast after the podcast, invariably as it is, where Drew and I talk, and forty minutes goes by, and we say <laughs> we look at each other and go, "Were you recording that?" That was a podcast and we, yeah. we talked about those names that, you know, don't get uh, mentioned enough or, you know, don't get uh, a lot of credit. Maybe it's just because, you know, they just were, you know, it was a flash in the pan or, you know, they, they were very, very good. And Aaron Cook goes in that very good. If you're, if you're yeah. breaking down the, the history of Rockies players into thirds from, you can forget about this guy too. Hey, he contributed some things for a little while, and you know, an all-time great upper echelon. He's in that top third, uh, particularly for starting pitchers. So it, it, yeah. it, you knew it intrinsically. It's it's just a rare thing. Uh, I, I I ultimately was looking to see if it just had ever happened in back-to-back starts, let alone right. at Coors Field. I imagine right. not at Coors Field, but maybe you know one and one or two on the road. Sure, uh, and it it is not. Nope. Could have been a thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and for a minute there, I really thought he was going to do it because he was going so well. And 
uh, you know, he just did seem to run out of gas a, a little bit there. But Patrick, you tweeted out the stat about how impressive he has been uh, over his last three games at Coors Field. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. I think they they said on the broadcast he's going to end the season with a two ten ERA at Coors Field. Now we know it's obviously a short season, but it basically amounts to a third of a season, and that Antonio Sensatella has gone a third of the season with a two ten ERA at Coors Field is absurdly that's that's insanely impressive. Absolutely, it, it, it's 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 hard to even put words around it because even if you go back and look and you say, okay, well that means he wasn't as good on the road. Well, on the road, I think his ERA was something like four point one five, and yeah. you know that's including a, a start against the Dodgers where he gave up four home runs. So again, you throw that into the mix and you say, well, wait a minute, he got he got hit around a little bit by the Dodgers, not insane, right? He, um, he lasted until the sixth inning, but he did give up those six runs. Well, he went back in L.A. on September 4th, worked into the sixth inning, only gave up two earned runs, only one homer. And then he does what he did, does today against the Dodgers, who are still looking to lock up that, that number one seed in the playoffs. And, you know, you know why, why let up off of the Rockies? You, you got a four-game sweep here in Colorado. Let them know who's boss. You might as well. And Senzatella came in, he shoved, and he says, you know, not on my watch. Just like Herman Marquez was that guy for the Rockies last year in 2019, you know, snapping that that awful, you know, losing skid to start their season right. last year and, and nearly throws the no-hitter in San Francisco. He did it a few other times in 2019. Well, now Antonio Senzatella is kind of that giant killer, and maybe we see him as the opening day starter next year. I can't stop saying. I can't or stop to, surmising this or potential. Or a one-game playoff in, in, in L.A. or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so in, in case you were wondering, yes, he is, in fact, our draft king of the game. Remember to use that promo code DNVR over the Sportsbook app there. Going 6.1 innings, giving up just the three hits, the one extra base hit to the rookie in his debut in his first at-bat. So you almost tip your cap and don't even care about that one. Uh, gives up the one earned run, gives up a couple of walks, only three strikeouts, as we know. Not a big strikeout guy, but got a couple of big ones when he needed to. Loved the fastball up and in on Cody Bellinger in a big at-bat in those middle innings. Uh, him reaching back in what could have been uh, become a problem situation. Uh, second time through, I think, or maybe even third time through, heart of the order. That, that's a tough spot to be in. So for him to attack a hitter of that caliber with a pitch like that, get the big strikeout. Very, very good stuff today from Antonio Sensatella. Yeah, it, it really was. And I think you you saw the team, you know, pick him up in, in, in a big way there the second time through the order, especially after really being overmatched early on against Tony Gonsolin. And I think you know, even still in his five innings, he struck out 10, but he struck out the first six batters of the game, had seven strikeouts his first time through the Rockies lineup, but immediately there in uh, that second time through to start the fourth, who was there to break up that mojo, but none other than El Cangrejo, Raimel Tapia, um, who got the single and uh, then I think Pilar singled. Right. Blackman On a pitch made an out. way out of the zone. That, pit, that, was, that was a hilarious inning because <laughs> uh, 
everything that went into it was really funny, right? Because Gonsolin had struck out the first seven guys he faced, and you're going, oh, boy, here we go with this offense. Again, they're going to have one of those days where they strike out 15 times against a dude who's like, fine. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, then they got a couple of decent you know, drives to the outfield. Okay, <laughs> making contact felt like a win like five minutes before that. But you still figure, okay, come out and work it a little bit. Raimel Tapia swings at the first pitch he sees. Face hit. Okay, fine. That pitch was right there. He was looking for something in his own. Fastball the other way. Took it to center field. That is his – that's what he eats on. He might as well have gotten to first base and done one of these. Like, thank you. That's that's what I'm looking for. That's that's how I eat. I, mean, I don't know. Kevin, Kevin Pillar swung at a pitch. The very next pitch um, that was seven inches outside. I don't know how he managed to keep that thing fair and hit it to right field uh, for the base hit, but he did. And so you got a couple of guys on, but because it was so wonky, uh, you know, Tapia wasn't even able to get to to third yet on it. So they, they you know, they still very easily could have come out of that uh, you know, double play and, you know, no big deal. You know, and, and I, I don't want to kick a man while he's down, but you, you think, you know, what, what happens if Nolan is in, you know, the middle of that lineup at the heart? You go, are they going to be able to, manufacture this run i mean you got runners on first and second with no outs i mean that you, you shouldn't have to manufacture a run you just gotta you just gotta go out and get at least one across with a single or something but you know blackman makes an out and then you got trevor story who walks and then instead of arenado being in that mix it's it's his cousin josh fuentes batting fifth the the, the highest he's he's batted in his early career and he goes in and produces and that wasn't the last time that he would do that in a very similar situation so it's it's very strange to think with the dodgers having won the first three games of this series and possibly having swept uh, the rockies that on on this day of 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 920 that the top five hitters in the rockies lineup was ryan meltapia um okay all right maybe someone had an off day kevin pillar what wasn't he on a different team? Right. Uh, Blackman third. Hey, that's where we Trevor, kind of right. wanted him. Trevor Story batting fourth. Okay, that makes sense. And the guy down in Albuquerque, Josh yeah. Fuentes, with right. no Nolan Arenado in that mix whatsoever. Yeah. No Ryan McMahon uh, having jumped up and, and been this team's three hitter. No Daniel Murphy. None right. of those guys. Kind of a, a really odd, you know. Uh, orchestration of, of the lineup from what right. we probably had imagined it at the beginning of the season. Totally different in this, you know, big game, relatively speaking, uh, this late in the season against the Dodgers, but they did get it done. Right. And, you know, and, and that's why Will starts this comment with might be for the best as a report from Patrick Saunders, Bud Black saying that Nolan Arenado is undergoing some tests on the left shoulder. More news tomorrow could shut him down for the season. And obviously there are a lot of things that are important there. You got to get Nolan, right? You need him at his best, whatever you're doing with your organization moving forward. But as you just kind of alluded to, and as Will is pointing out here, like it's weird. It doesn't make sense. And there's only a handful of games left and you just have to roll with it. But the Rockies looked like a more competitive baseball team without Nolan Arenado in the lineup, they were able to extend a couple of innings, score a couple of times, uh, a few times they didn't get him, but you're not going to, you're not going to come through with every opportunity. It was that they did at all. 
and you know they they just looked a little more complete without him and that feels so bizarre it does and, and thank you for sharing that will it's it's a decision that I think, you know, the, the Rockies need to make because, you know, no one never wants to come out of a game. Right. And, you know, we, we saw it last year when they went to Houston and, and he was the designated hitter and, you know, was able to, to work through some of those injuries. Uh, and he, he had a lot uh, more last year, I think, than, than years prior. And he doesn't want to take himself out and he's not going to. And, you know, that's the kind of the workhorse that, that he is because he's, he's, he's playing for Cooperstown. Let, let's face it. Like, that's what he did, you know, in the the 2018-19 offseason with with losing weight and getting rid of some of that baby fat, so to speak, right. and and taking trying to take his game to the next level. And ultimately, the results were were similar to what they were in the past. But he's thinking long term, and he's thinking, all right, well, I know I'm a perennial all star, but I I want to be a Hall of Famer. And you know, you got to be there every day. You gotta you gotta compile in a lot of ways uh, to be a Hall of Famer. But you also just got to be out there, and it's about those repetitions. So he's not going to take himself out of the lineup so if you're the Rockies organization and I'll give you a chance to answer here in a second Drew you know what do you do do you shut him down and if I were running the Rockies I would because he doesn't need to be there um you know we're only talking about eight games and it's not a a a normal eight games because two of those are seven inning doubleheaders on Friday against Arizona I'm really interested in in seeing how that goes down for Colorado but you know, that, that could be as many as 24 plate appearances, about give or take, that can go to other guys that, again, those 24 uh, ABs aren't going to be a make or break. But it makes you say, is this a guy that, you know, we, we um, you know, designate for assignment and maybe somebody else is going to pick up? Or we say, yeah, I think we can move on from this guy. It, that could be, those, those could be important, um, you know, moments, at least maybe in the field. And you say, Ryan McMahon, hey, if we do move on from Nolan, uh, we do make a trade, do you still have those abilities where you could hang there at, at third base or maybe Brennan Rogers gets called up and he's now playing third base mm-hmm. every day? Like there are those nuanced things and ultimately, no, Nolan, you that's okay. Take the next week yeah. the off season off. Get yourself ready. This season's done for. It's done. No. Be back for twenty twenty one and and maybe maybe you got a shot at at, at doing what you are hoping to set out to do this year. Yeah. And since that's where the conversation has gone, I think that's a good time to answer this question from Henry who says, what lessons are we going to learn from this 60 game season? We endured great, great use of the word endured. Um, And Henry, I I think almost all of the lessons are going to have to be individual to individual basis. You know, you're, you're going to have to be pretty good at compartmentalizing the lessons some of them and some of them are going to be positive some of them are going to be very negative i think we've learned some very positive things about antonio senzatella and kyle freeland i think we pr- pretty much learned our our lessons on you know shaw mcgee davis that whole era of the bullpen thing that's finally behind us maybe daniel murphy that's just not going to be a reliable situation in Colorado I think that's so you you've got to take I think each one of those things individually and say okay that guy we feel like we can be a little more trustworthy in that guy lost our trust in him and that informs how the Colorado Rockies need to go about their offseason right what they would need to target 
in order to try to make the team better. So I, I really do think that's the best way to go about it. I know there are a lot of people out there tempted to have the big, gigantic philosophical conversation about tear it all down or fire everybody or do this or do that. And, you know, th those are always things to get into for sure. But I mean, if you're really, if you want to get into the nitty gritty about what can we actually learn from a baseball perspective this season, I think those are the biggest things is identifying, you know, who on this roster has shown that they can hang and who has shown you enough that they're just not going to get it done here. And so you've got to make the difficult decisions on those guys and just part ways with them, even if it means eating some money uh, and just getting rid of those roster spots and then take a look at your roster and, and see what you can do from there. Yeah, Henry, that's a, a, a great question with that. You know, what are the lessons? Because when we discuss the idea of, oh man, is it, is it time to break this team down? Is it time to tank? Is it time to rebuild? Is it time to go all in as maybe 2021 is the final season? That's looking forward. That is what will happen. But if we're talking about lessons, we're talking about what has happened. And, and that usually should inform the future. And I think, you know, I, I think for me, the, the biggest lesson that the Rockies, you know, have learned as well, in addition in, to all of us watching this team is that they really just put their, uh, all their eggs in one basket. And, and, and that being with, with the guys in the bullpen, uh, with with the money that was spent in, in free agency on on yeah. Desmond, and that's not a knock on him. He he sat out. You know he's still going to be a part of this team. We'll we'll see him next year. But ultimately, that you know that money that was earmarked for Desmond was marked for him, and it couldn't have been used for someone else or a need somewhere. You know it, right. it was look. These are the they 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 signed those relievers to a three year deal. And they signed Ian Desmond to a five-year deal, and ultimately they said, "That's all the money that we've got. Let's let's just take it all up front, hope for the best." And you know, on paper, that is that is a, a decent strategy, and it looked like it was working great following the 2018 season for the most part, right? So, yeah, uh, I think that was the biggest lesson: is that you always have to be changing, you always have to be looking to make moves. You know they what they did in, with the um, at the trade deadline is is not putting all your eggs in one basket. It's it's saying, hey, you know what? We need a little bit of help because this this roster isn't necessarily good enough for this stretch run, and and maybe it's it's an indicator of, of next year too because Givens will come back. Maybe you see if you like Pilar in the clubhouse, you bring him back because you're still going to need another right-handed bat in the outfield. So ultimately, you're saying, look. We can't put all our eggs and say our roster is our roster. They brought in two new players to kind of mix things up a little bit. And if you look at the shape of the team from 2018 to 2020, it ultimately looked identical. And, you know, maybe the roster wasn't good enough to keep the same. And I, and I don't think that's necessarily a fair assumption to make. But I, I, what I do think is even if you have a, a very good roster – I think you still need to just mix it up a little bit. I think you still need to just make those, you know, slight adjustments. And the really, really, the only adjustment that was made was you lost DJ LeMahieu, Mayhew, and and you brought in Daniel Murphy. And we know that that was not the way to go. So that's, you know, the the lessons that are learned from um, in 2020. You know, I think have a lot to do have a lot to do with with 2019, as well as you know the aftermath of the 2017 2018 playoff runs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's gotta be a, a long, because 
it's difficult to take too much away. And that, that's kind of why I sort of limited it sure. to the 60 game season, right? Because yeah. you do have to, if you if you want to have big picture questions, it has to be a, a longer than a 60 game sample size question. So like, even, even with the stuff though, that I was saying, if you, you, you have to pair what's going on right now with Antonio Sensatella with what he's done in the past. And, you know, I, now I don't think you should do what a lot of people often do with those situations, which is just blend their stats as a kind of general outcome and assume that the player is somewhere in between the the mediocre version of themselves from before and this really good version that they are right now. Um, as we've talked about a lot on this podcast and I've written about and, and we detailed before it happened, there were there were reasons for this improvement in a 25-year-old player and the and the things that he's done to improve his game but you can't look at it still totally in uh, a vacuum right you still have to recognize that that old version of him did exist it's you know you ever hear a pitcher say uh, I fell back into some bad habits you ever hear everyone's heard a pitcher say that before right and that's you know Kyle Freeland said that when he got knocked around in those two outings where he was bad this year the only two where he's truly been bad. He said, ah, man, I just sort of fell into some of those bad habits. Some of those things that were getting the better of me in 2019, I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself from doing it. And that's, so that is a, a part of who they are, but you, you do have to recognize when guys have made, you know, I think some fundamental adjustments. I think Brian Maltapia is another one of those guys who, while he may not on base quite this well for the rest of his career, this is closer to the version of Rhyme Altapia that you're going to see for the rest of his career than what we saw the first few years where he never got, you know, real playing time, stuff like that. Um, the bigger picture questions just get harder and harder and you got to take a bigger and bigger window at that point. I think one of the lessons too is that much, you know, in our, in our season preview, we looked at the definitive five, the five guys that we thought were going to be, essential for the Rockies to have success. And yes, we didn't include Nolan Arenado because we assumed, you know, he would be fine. Now he wasn't, and that's a huge piece. However, all five of the guys that we highlighted, except for Antonio Senzatella, he was the one that came through in a major way. But those other four guys were ultimately failures. They did not step up. They did not contribute in a way that if you say, hey, if Tony Walters continues on his trajectory doesn't need to be an all-star but just continues and takes a step forward with his bat that's going to make the rockies that much that's that's going to bring them an extra one or two wins in this 60 game season daniel murphy becomes the first baseman that the rockies had hoped doesn't have to translate into homers he can still continue hitting those doubles left and right and just be a a good a good batsman a guy who's batting 330 like he was uh, the first couple of weeks of the season. Absolutely. When they were winning. Right. And um, Ryan McMahon, who was, you know, the biggest disappointment. He was number one yep. on our list. A guy that you would have thought by the end of the season, potentially, he could be hitting third in the lineup. If you're, if you're looking for another left-handed bat to split up Arenado and Story. And you say, oh, Black, Blackman, you know what? Let's just really load up the top of that lineup. We're going to go Blackman, Story, McMahon, Arenado as our top four hitters. You go, yes, that's going to be a. They're going to win a lot of games. That's another two more wins you can tack onto their uh, win loss record. And then the final one uh, is Wade Davis, who we saw 
Who? How difficult uh, free agent uh, reliever Wade Davis. We saw how abysmal the bullpen was for this season. There were there are those yeah. you know bright spots, but Wade Davis was not there when you know the team needed him. And and after Scott Oberg's you know omission from the roster because of blood clots and. And, uh, and, you know, the, those general health issues that he's been having, it, it makes his contributions all the more valuable to say, well, we've got the ninth locked up. Like that, I, one of the reasons why the, the Yankees won so many games in the 90s and 2000s is because it was an eight-inning game. And on right. some occasions, Mariano would go and, and get six outs. So you go, this isn't fair. And you go, yeah, kind of, you're right, it isn't. When, anytime you have an all-time great doing those kind of things, you go, well, it's not fair. Well, it wouldn't have been fair for other teams in the AL and NL West had Wade Davis locked up the ninth. And you go, well, now it's only an, an eight-inning game. And that starting pitching from Colorado is looking rather solid. All you need is one, maybe two innings out of a, out of a, you know, a banged-up bullpen. And you go, they were still able to manage and get that done. That's two more wins. And this team is you know, maybe uh, the, the, the fifth-best fifth best record in the national league. So all of those guys failed to perform. And that's, that's one of those lessons is that, you know, even if the, the stars contribute or even if the stars are slightly off, you still need your fifth through 10th best players to be contributing in a major, major way. You can't have a drop off and Colorado had that drop off in a real major way. Yeah. I mean, I might push back on that a little bit again because of some of the emergence of, of some of the younger guys who, who sure. brought some consistency because I, well, they, they had the drop off that one of the problems obviously is that Nolan Arenado joined the, 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 the part of it that was a drop off, right? Because yeah. you still got, you know, when you, when you look at this thing, ultimately you still did get basically uh, Charlie Blackman and Trevor story yeah. normalness, right? Mm-hmm. Then you get above average production according to the if you want to use the metrics you get above average production out of josh fuentes you're getting average production out of rymal tapia that we know plays much higher than that based on the consistency and the speed and and everything that he brings there in terms of a a spark plug to the offense so it's like that shouldn't there but then the the huge drop off to the guys producing nothing right the fact that Walters was just a blank canvas this year that um now McMahon was an interesting case uh like you said one of the more disappointing ones to be sure uh his power did still end up i think giving you some contributions hit the ball hard a couple of times today again um but that that one's weird because that's the that kind of new age, right? Like, what is his WRC plus? I bet it's better than Tapia's because of the home runs, despite the fact that he's hitting like a hundred points lower or whatever, right? Like, so that, and and I don't always buy those numbers as well. That at the beginning of the season he was walking a lot. They're also like really oddly. That, that's why I think we've made such a big deal out of the consistency thing too, because like right. though like FWAR and WRC plus and stuff like. They don't care that you did all of it at the very beginning of the season. You haven't been contributing, you know, things like that. And so it's the big, long slumps that kill you. It's the 0 for with three strikeout games that really 
kill you. And um, especially at Coors Field, uh, and especially in these games where they're leaving, you know, 12 guys on base, um, you, you got to find I a think, way to make contact. But I think that's that's that piece of those that that second the second five best players that you have on the roster. Why it's it's so crucial for them to contribute. Sure, the the guys that are numbers eleven through fifteen, you know, a lot of them stepped up, as you said, Tapia, Fuentes, Yancey Almonte, Daniel Bard came out of nowhere, like no doubt. However. When you are the the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth best player on the team, you get a lot more leeway. Yeah. And so that period between, hey, this guy has lost it a little bit. We need to move him out of that role and get somebody new in. And now that guy needs a little bit of time of getting into a rhythm. That that period from from yeah. one administration to the other is is incredibly lost time. And if those guys that are taxed right. with that responsibility, six through ten, do what they need to do. Now you don't have that period of, of transition. It, it happened at the beginning of 2019 where they were so right. banged up and all those guys went on the IL right. and they looked bad and and the young guys weren't ready. You know, Jonathan Daza wasn't ready to step up. Josh Fuentes himself right. said right. that right. he wasn't ready. You know, he'd just come back from uh hem eight bone um, you know, surgery and he missed all of spring training. So you know, right. it's it when you when you have guys and you give them that responsibility, you know, even if they're not superstars yet, they are future stars or they are just important veterans like they, they've got to do their job. And when they don't, it can it can have a lot more impact than just, you know, what you see on, on baseball reference or fan graphs for war right. because of the lag that it takes to go. All right. Well, we've stuck with this guy for another week. When if it was anyone else, we would he would have just been done. But we lost a week there, and now we're going to lose another week trying to get the next guy up to speed. And next thing you know, two weeks goes by, and you just lost eleven games in a row. Yeah, yeah, and and that's been that has been one of the Rockies' biggest issues, and and especially with the veteran players, is an unwillingness to move on. We've seen yeah, you know, a slight, I, I think step in the right direction with their willingness to cut guys from the bullpen this year, though they did still sure. give Davis a few more looks. Um, these last couple, I didn't mind at all, by the way, at the right. beginning of the season, them coming into this thing and being like, nah, he's still our closer that. And I said at the time was very silly. Um, these last couple may as well throw him out there. See, he's the team has been way behind in his couple appearances. See what he's got. Turns out nothing. Cool. And, and they do exactly what they did with him. So, you know, if, if again we see them take further strides, you know, not uh, invite Daniel Murphy back, not pick up that option, maybe figure out a way even to part ways with with Ian Desmond, you know, move on from the veterans who they've paid some money to and open up some spots. And whether it's for young guys they like in their organization or to go out and get somebody new, uh, it's at least something else. And and I'm with you, you know, and, and you and I have had the the debate a lot of times both on and off the podcast about how much wheeling and dealing the Rockies should do. And, and, and you thinking they should probably do a little bit more than, than I do. But one of the things you said earlier that I very much agree with in this realm about, you know, not putting all of your eggs in one basket, don't go out and sign the $27 million reliever, go out and sign three, $9 million relievers. Um, 
stuff like that so that if one of them gets hurt or can't figure out Coors Field or just blah, whatever, you know, we don't always have the answer to what happened to Jake McGee and Brian Shaw and Wade Davis. And if Davis goes and catches on with another team, somebody's going to try to tell you it's because the Colorado Rockies pitching coaching is absolutely awful. And now he's awesome again, like they're trying to do with Jake McGee right now, like a 35-year-old can't know how to approach his own game at the major league baseball level where he's already been successful for years and years. Like some guys can't figure it out. Some guys can. That's why you can't have all your eggs in one basket. That's why you don't go sign the big free agent. You go sign several guys who you think might be able to give you uh, some contributions up and down. And then you also, and then you're not stuck in that spot where, you know, there's expectations that, Ian Desmond's going to start all the time or that Daniel Murphy's going to start all the time or that Jake McGee or Brian Shaw are going to get late innings. Now you bring a guy in on a $5 million contract. You play when I tell you, and if you play really well, you'll play more. And if you don't, you won't, we don't, you know, look, you're, you're getting your money, but that, uh, those are the guys they need to have on their team. You know, these like a Michael Givens, give me an army of them, you know, just like go and get those dudes. Um, because when you, yeah, when you when you focus too much of it, and this is probably true on the position player side as well, which is why that opt-out isn't the most terrible thing in the world when you focus too many of your resources into one player and then that player doesn't perform, you have no other options. You have nowhere else to go with it. Uh, and the Rockies just don't have the resources to do that. Yeah, yeah, they, and you know, when you talk about, putting all your your resources in, in one player like that. I go, well, they've done that with Nolan Arenado, but the major difference, of course, is the fans are familiar with Nolan Arenado. There's a loyalty there, which right. is much different than a guy that's a free agent. You know what I this mean? This guy's been great in Tampa the last six years, Patrick. Phenomenal in Tampa was Jake McGee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's crazy to think that that fans in, in Colorado are similar to fans on the coasts where you go, hey, what have you done for me lately? Like I don't, I don't care about that. We don't, we're not going to revere you. You need to contribute. And if you have a bad first week and it's the home opener at Coors Field and you're not getting the job done, you know, we're not just going to give you a, a standing ovation. You know, we're not, we're not St. Louis in that way. So um, it, it's that's just that's just what it what it means to to be a fan is to say, you know, you you've got to do it. You've got to earn it. You know, and you know maybe maybe I've got Broncos on the brain, but you know, when you talk about Oof. having, well, this is more of a, I guess, positive. I don't know. Okay. Um, but the, the idea of when you, you know, go, go all in on a guy. And, and as we just said, you know, when you have expectations of play for players, you keep giving them those opportunities and it's hard to move on from them. And I'm not saying that, you know, the Rockies should have, you know, moved on this season quicker from, you know, McMahon or Dahl or or Murphy, Daniel Murphy or Tony. They should have Murphy. Well, I'll say they should have. Yes, I'll, I'll I, say I they should have moved on earlier from Daniel Murphy. But they, hopefully, Jeff Bradich was was trying to uh, swing a deal to trade deadline. Somebody surely would have liked a left-handed hitter like him. But but nevertheless, you know, um, 
what's besides the point is is the fact that yeah you need to not put all your eggs in one basket spread it out a little bit and so that if if uh, a reliever is only making four million dollars and and isn't getting the job done you can kind of move on from him and and your team is is the better ultimately because of the shortened season the Rockies were actually able to do that with Brian Shaw and Jake McGee and while McGee has been successful in LA and the bullpen you know yeah. hasn't really picked up the slack you have the freedom to do that at least right right and it and so it it, it makes me think of backup quarterbacks who We'll get four or five million dollars from a team, and they're just really an insurance clause. And hey, if the starter's not doing their job, you have somebody competent that can step in, uh, like a Jeff Driscoll, I guess, uh, as you saw today, sure. get the job done. But also, if they lose it, you can go back to that guy that you know you were hoping was the guy, and and he can go ahead and 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 take his job back. So right. you, you, you're not tied. You're not tied yes. to to any one player and stuff, and. Um, you, you just need that kind of, of flexibility. And the relief pitcher market is the biggest one where you just have turnover and you have no idea. I don't think the Rockies or any team can just go out and get the next Daniel Bard each and every year. But those players pop up almost every other year There's stuff for every like other team. Yeah. 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 There, There is stuff like it. And this is one place, too, where I think the lack of minor league season has been uniquely tough for the Rockies, um, you know, because again, you'd love to have a bunch of dudes in AAA pitching in difficult environments regularly. And you could look down there and go, Oh, so-and-so's hot. You know, he may not be good. <laughs> yeah. That's not even necessarily important. Like, look, he, he's, he's been, he struggled all year last year. He had an 850 ERA, but this season he's, he's hitting all of his spots. We don't really know what's going on with him, but, no one's talking to him. No one's even looking at this guy. He's, he's in a great mode. Let's call him up from AAA and see if he can keep it going at the big league level. You know, the, those are the <laughs> kinds of things that um, that you just can't do when there's no minor league system. And and actually, for the last couple of years, the Rockies haven't been able to do it because they've been tied to these great big contracts in their relief core. And now that they're not, it'll be really interesting to see which way they go. Because I'm with you. Like, stack it with those – Daniel Bard types, like some of these, some of these other guys, but you, so then you've got a mixture of your own young guys who might rebound, but again, aren't making too much money. Some veterans who are trying to bounce back, prove that they can still go in the league. Uh, no one's promised a closer role going into next season, unless Scott Oberg is healthy and ready to go, then he's the captain and everybody else is fighting for a spot. And, you know, I think you can build a, a decent bullpen there. It'll be some shots in the dark, but the trick will be, not just the eight men at the big league level, like you said, Patrick. It's it's going to have to be another four or five guys that they can have stashed away in AAA or whatever. We're going to have to see what the minor leagues look like next year. But what I hear you uh, saying is that is that Albuquerque is a lukewarm bed of talent. That's right, <laughs> pitching talent. It's not a hot bed. It's more of a lukewarm bed of pitching talent. Ryan Rawlison going to join the club for these last eight games. Finally, that's a thing. Rawlison watch begins. <laughs> Just keep an eye out for him. <laughs> like that's, that's one of the, the few bright spots uh, for young, you know, prospecty type things. Rocky's pitching, just in general, a, a guy to actually be excited about who's still got quite a bit of shine on him. So uh, that'll be nice. Hopefully, do, we do actually get to see him pitch a little bit. 
and it's a catch-22 anytime you call up a, a young player at the end of a season because there's that potential of, you know, with service time, you know, you could you could lose a, a year somewhere down the line. But if, you know, for when he gets uh, potentially promoted, you know, this week, um, you know, that, it's not a lot of service time a week. And even if you say, all right, well, you know, how are they going to figure out service time for this shortened season? So every game is worth... 2.7 games so okay fine even at the worst case scenario that's three weeks of service time he gets if he makes a start tuesday or wednesday right um, but all that means is you just have to wait to call him up next season right you know the maybe the second week of may to kind of recoup that time and you don't want to be in that spot if the rotation isn't deep enough and you go we would love to call ryan rollison up he's carving up guys he, he made he made one start in hartford and then He's made three amazing starts in Albuquerque, but we can't touch him yet because we're going to lose that year of service time. You, you obviously don't want to be in that predicament, but the Rockies are able to, you know, uh, make enough uh, appropriate moves, nothing major, but appropriate moves in the offseason for their rotation. And and maybe they don't even need to. All they need is Peter Lambert to come back, um, you know, healthy. But you don't. You won't have to worry. You won't be in that position of going. You know, look, but don't touch. You know, we don't want a devil's advocate situation here with, with right. Al Pacino, Brian <laughs> Rawlson. You can look, but you can't touch right. it. You got to wait uh, until yeah. mid-May yeah. before you call up your top pitching we'll prospect. I want to see it. I want to see it. And if he's good, just let him be. Just don't. I'm time to mess around with all that stuff. <laughs> it's my it's my general opinion on that. All right. Well, uh, speaking of be- having general opinions, I've got a very favorable general opinion of our Bye. friend over at MSU Denver Online. Uh, really, really fantastic educational possibilities from them. You go to msudenver.edu slash online, check out all their programs, everything that they've got to offer for you. Uh, whether you're starting a new degree, you want to finish off an old one, maybe you just want to pick up a new skill for life, and you want to do it with somebody who knows what they're doing when it comes to online education. They've got responsive teachers who've been doing this thing for years, sometimes even decades, and not just now figuring out and being overwhelmed by the idea of a virtual education. Go to the masters of it at msudenver.edu slash online. All right, there's a, Pat. There's, there's no. a lot of folks out there that, especially if you have kids, you know what it's like doing this online thing for people who are not used to doing online and how frustrating that is. Right. Well, MSU Denver. Yeah. They, they, they were, they've been long prepared yeah. for this. It's, it's just what they do naturally. Even if we weren't going through this craziness, they were ready to go. So they, they got your back here in a major way. Got you covered. So what are uh, Patrick, your final thoughts on this uh, series on the final stretch here is the Rockies Finish out the season with the vague possibility that a really fun run might get them into this thing, but really, you know, probably not. Just watching some games, taking some stuff in. But hey, Josh Fuente has been fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, he's been getting after it. You know, it's uh, it's hard. I'm I'm not sure what to take away and what I would most like to see i i would just like to see some of those guys on the on the fringe that are are looking to you know earn a spot or earn the right to have a spot in next season in 2021 but yet at the same time i can't help but think what the best thing 
for this franchise right now is for them to lose the next eight games. Because if you're not good at winning, you need to be good at losing. And that's kind of the that's the methodology of tanking. And I, I don't think, you know, the Rockies are going to tank. That That's at least for the final eight games. And, uh, and I don't know if they ever will. It's just it's not in their blood. It's not in Dick Monfort's blood. The blood of the Colorado Rockies are the blood of the Monfort family and Dick Monfort, right? Um, but if they lose eight games, you go, oh, man, this team was so non-competitive against, you know, the Giants, who should have been in the basement of the NL West, and the Diamondbacks, who pretty much are now. Like, what? But at the end of the season, excuse me, at this time next week, you go and look and you find out, all right, well, they got they now have the seventh pick in the MLB draft next year. And it won't just be five rounds. It'll be a more normal, but still reduced, 20 rounds. Right. And you can get a lot more creative in 20 rounds than you can in five. And, you know, it, it lays the groundwork. Even if, even if we're not talking about a full tank job uh, in the offseason, we're just saying, hey, right now, the Rockies have an opportunity. And it's, it's a weird one. It's a very weird one. But it's one in which if they were to lose the next eight games, uh, that would benefit them greatly in the future going forward. means nothing about 2021 as a season because we know who's coming back. We know the talent of all those players, right? And we know who some of the guys that might be back and who are in the running to be back. None of that changes by losing your last eight games right. of the season. But what does change is how much money you have to go out and spend uh, next year in the MLB draft in 2021, what slot you get, and and it could just have you know uh, heavy duty ramifications. So that's kind of an awesome worst case scenario in a sense. I was gonna say in a way it's almost like oh well that's cool if if that so happens there's a there's a really nice benefit to to it happening you know and it, yeah it, it's almost like the. The, so the best case scenario would be right to go eight and zero and sneak in and and you know then uh, the best case scenario then would be to just mess up the Dodgers whole season. <laughs> That's obviously best case. Yeah. Second best case scenario, which is probably more likely, is is what you said. And then the third be- best case scenario, or actually the worst case scenario, which is the most likely, is is going four and four or something like that, where you just yeah. miss out and and you haven't you know, improved your, your stock in any way. Um, I do think having a, a quality baseball end of the season, especially if, and, and, and again, it's, it's such a small sample size, but I do think there's benefit to this team proving that they can be competitive without Nolan Arenado and viewing him as this great piece that they can have, but not as something they absolutely need moving forward. And I think it may also be important for Nolan to step back, watch what the team did today, going out and scoring three runs, getting some things done without him. If they continue to play good offense without him, maybe he looks around and goes, okay, okay. If I get my situation settled, and then we do go into an offseason, and and boy, oh boy, I would hope they would consult with him on some of these things now that they finally do have money or will. Um, and say, here's what I, you know, here here's what we got to do. But I, I think there's value in him watching, particularly the offense play well without him, 
and go, okay, I need to do my part to jump back into this thing now because it does look like I can trust Tapia more than I could before. My guy, Josh, I knew I always loved him, but now maybe I can trust him as a major league baseball player. I already know what I got in Charlie and Trevor. So we got to figure out some of these other things, but it's a little bit shorter of a list than maybe he thought it was going into this season. Uh, maybe he likes the Kevin Pillar. Actually, he said at the time, you know, I like this Kevin Pillar edition. Maybe he talks him into solid little deal there. Uh, th- there's all kinds of things. So I, I think those are the biggest things for me going through the end. Just whatever the record may be, showing that you can play a good and winning brand of baseball without your superstar so that you don't feel like anytime he's in a slump, there's nothing you can do. It, it is interesting when you, when you kind of phrase it like that, this idea that, you know, besides the GM and, and Dick Monfort and Bud Black and the coaching staff looking at these players, the most important person that's going to be watching for the final week is, is Nolan. And you say, okay, maybe certain things can happen and, you know, we could we could you know hypothesize what maybe some of those things are, and really we're talking about players contributing in, in a certain way. But certain things could happen in this next week. Some maybe we'll notice, some we won't until after. But certain things will happen that will set in process this motion of Colorado making some interesting moves this off season. Uh, you know, Trevor Story's a free agent after next year. Same with John Gray, and say, you know what, I, maybe we don't need this guy. Maybe, you know, Tapia, as you said, hey, Tapia is a guy I'd love to hit in front of me. So if you can get something good for David Dahl, I'm convinced by this final week of the 2020 season. If, you know, Sinzatella goes out and continues to, to, to shove Freeland, Marquez doing their thing, and, and maybe you get a little bit more from Castellani, but maybe not. But maybe you get enough from those three guys, you go, you're going to trade our arguably our, our best pitcher in John Gray this offseason? Nolan might say, well, I, I did see enough in that final eight games to convince me that that's okay, and, and it would actually make our team better. Maybe that's something that could happen in this final week. How does it impact Nolan Arenado, or rather, how does it impact the front office and how they communicate what's right. happening to Nolan Arenado? Right. Yeah. It's you get a different view of a team when they're playing without you. And I think it's going to be very, very fascinating. And I think day one of it was actually one of the best case scenarios from a Rockies fan standpoint, especially if, if what you want is for this team to give it one last go next year around this basic core, maybe one or two of the members like Patrick was just saying, maybe you you do have to trade like a David Dahl or a John Gray or somebody like that. But, but no other big, huge moves this core, some free agent signings, whoever you get from those guys, and and a happier and, and much more productive version of Nolan Arenado, and this team could be something. They really, really could. And he's got to, he's got to make that decision. It's going to be very fascinating to see where he comes out on all this, I think. Yeah, there, there's enough pieces and there's enough talent and enough potential on the roster that if you make the right moves, Colorado could really be that off-season darling, much like the White Sox were and the Padres were. And it doesn't always work out that those teams end up seeing immediate results, but 
this year that was the case. Both of those are are, are two of the better teams right. in baseball right now. Looking Rangers and Angels, not so playoffs. much, but you know. Sure. So, but the yeah, Rockies could be those darlings with the right addition and subtractions, and not even through free agency, simply through trades. Right. No, and I think that's probably the the way to go. So. It's going to be fun and interesting, but keep it here for these final eight games. You never know. Be like Nolan Arenado with us, watching very, very closely to try to figure out. You also got to support your Denver Nuggets there in the Western Conference Finals. One of the best ways to do that, by the way, is to get a subscription to the DNVR.com. That way you can read all of our written content, plus all the stuff, you know, for all of the major sports, the two college ones that we cover, plus you get discounts on shirts, hats, masks, all kinds of cool stuff. You get a much larger beer when you come on down to the DNVR bar and check out these games. Uh, tough day for the Broncos. They need your support as well. So make sure you're doing what you can to send them some positive love. Follow everybody on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. Continue to be absolutely awesome out there. We will, of course, continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. 